Well, it's a big day today, and it's always a joy to say, Happy Holy Name of Jesus Day. Yes, that's right. Today, in the Christian calendar, uh, marks eight days after the birth of Jesus. Again, in the ancient world, they would count days inclusively. So this is the eighth day after the birth of Jesus. And as was the custom for Jews of his time, Jesus' parents would have taken them uh, to the home, or the, to the local synagogue, which in the case of Nazareth was probably someone's home, the home of the rabbi. And there, uh, the rabbi would sharpen his knife up and uh, do his work on Jesus. Uh, a part that I could probably avoid seeing, and give him a name. Now, the name Jesus we get from the Greek, Jesus, which in turn comes from the Aramaic, uh, Yeshu or Yeshua, the longer version. Uh, And again, that's the name that Jesus most likely would have gone by in his hometown. That goes back to the Hebrew, uh, Joshua. Uh, It was a fairly common name at the time, And it means, loosely translated, he saves. Now this past week, I was up in Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago, visiting my brother and his family. And when you walk into the playroom that they have for their kids, there are these three little chairs, all in different colors. I mean, they're like mini chairs, all for the kids. And they they were purchased at their birth. And written on each of them in big letters are the names that they gave each of those children. Elizabeth for the eldest, Connor, and then Avery. Now, I don't know how it was when you were naming your children, if you have them, but when my brother uh, and sister-in-law were thinking about names, when my sister-in-law was pregnant, uh, they did not seek input from anyone. Uh, Apparently, a lot of people volunteered their input, uh, but they weren't interested in hearing it, and they didn't tell anyone the name they had chosen until the day that that child was born. Now, I was trying to figure out this naming process, not being a parent, and so I went to my trusty computer and Googled baby names. If you've done this, you know that like, lists come up with thousands of baby names that you, can, that you can sort in any way you want. And it also gives helpful suggestions on how best to choose a name for your baby. How unique do you want your child's name? How common do you want it? Of course, names vary by decade. My mother is a Nancy. And in her class, there were many Nancys. Under the age of 40, I only know one Nancy. In the current decade, or in the current year, according to this thing I saw online, the three most popular girls' names in 2016 were Sophia, Olivia, and Emma, apparently. And the three most, so again, if you're a parent, that might make sense. Uh, if, you're not a, if you're not a parent, then you can look forward to seeing little Emmas, Olivias, and Sophias in a few years. Uh, the three most popular boys' names were Jackson, Aiden, and Lucas. No Jonathans, unfortunately. So do you want your child's name to be common? Or do you want it to stand out from the crowd? But you don't want it to stand out too much because you don't want him or her to be mocked for it. Then there's the issue of initials. You've got to be careful about those initials. My sister, the, the name that my parents wanted to give my sister was Priscilla. But they rejected this because her initials would then be PP, And they thought that in elementary school, that wouldn't work. Uh, the number of syllables apparently also makes a difference. For my parents, because we have a monosyllabic last name, Paige, all three of us kids have polysyllabic first names so that it sounds better. What were the things that guided you in choosing a name? Now, as I was thinking about this, 
partly was reflecting on how naming and the significance of names has changed over time. In the Christian church, for instance, there used to be a very clear ritual around naming, and that was at baptism. But generally today, when kids get baptized, it's many months after they've been named, many months after they've been born. That wasn't always the case. Generally, within the week of a child's birth, a child would be brought in for baptism, and the priest or minister, again, still part of the liturgy, part of the liturgy in baptism is to ask the parents, and by what name shall this child be called? And you say what the name is, and then the very next line is, that name, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is this incredible spiritual power in naming that's inherent in the baptismal liturgy, but it's a part of the baptismal liturgy that we don't lift up in the same way we would have in the past. We've lost that sense of a naming ceremony within the Christian church. As I was looking up online, you can see naming ceremonies not only, obviously, within Judaism, uh, for a bris uh, where a child would be circumcised and, and named by a rabbi, uh, but also, apparently, in the Hindu tradition, and Neil, you'll have to tell me later, apparently, in the Hindu tradition, uh, there's a big ceremony around the naming of children, uh, which I was fascinated by. What ceremonies do we have, though? One thing I could find online was uh, there's this one website that, uh, called Belly Ballot that allows you to pick like your top five baby names and then over social media have a poll set up so that your friends and family members can vote what they want to have as the most popular name. This is uh, apparently passing it as a naming ceremony. And also the significance of what the names actually mean. I remember when I was in Nigeria a couple years ago in the Delta region, I was struck by the fact that some of these names seemed unusual. Uh, a name like Fineface. I said, Fineface, that's an unusual name. Or again, the former president of Nigeria, Goodluck. Goodluck Jonathan. But as you think about it, that's actually the way a lot of names began. They were names in the, in the, in the language. So you look at a Native American tradition, for instance, and the Native American tradition, oftentimes that's still the case. Uh, and a name might be running with water or falling leaves, sitting bull. Uh, or if you're uh, Kevin Costner, dances with the wolves. The names have significance. My name actually in Hebrew, Yonatan, uh, literally means Yahweh has given. Wouldn't it be interesting to, when you, when you meet someone, as opposed to saying, Jonathan, you say, Yahweh has given, how are you? Or Theodore, which means God's gift. Imagine if you named a child at baptism God's gift. That's the way the child was referred to as. As I was thinking about having, whether or not we lost things over naming, and reflecting this, I couldn't help but come to the conclusion that 2016 was actually a year of intense names. Crooked Hillary. Witch Hillary. Lion Ted Cruz, or uh, the short-fingered one, or the orange-faced one. How many names did you actually hear this past year? And far from actually losing their significance, think of the significance that these names actually had. When you hear the words Crooked Hillary said again and again and again, when you see it printed on bumper stickers, when you see it in tweets and on social media, how much of an impact does that sink in, regardless of the facts that may or may not lie behind it? Names, as we saw this past year, have a tremendous impact. 
And politics, politicians use this all the time. They're very aware of the power of names and naming things. Is it the Affordable Care Act or is it Obamacare? Operation uh, Enduring Freedom. How do you name things and what does that signify? How does that shape people's perceptions of things regardless of what lies underneath them? No child left behind. One thing that's significant is not so much maybe today the denotation of names like saying someone's name is God's gift, what the name actually means, but more the connotation. Those things that surround names that give it the real power that that name has. Philosophers of language and psychologists would say that those connotations are as ripe with meaning, as pregnant with meaning today as they've ever been. And in many ways, those connotations have a lot more power and force than the actual denotations, than the actual uh, dictionary definition of a particular word. Think about in your own personal life, certain names that mean something to you. I can't meet someone whose name is David and not on some level think of my father. It's just a very powerful association. I'm sure there are names for you that are the same way. Our await to them. What about the name of Jesus? What's the connotation in your mind when you hear the name Jesus? Especially down here in South, some uh, Christian traditions invoke the name of Jesus as though it almost had magical powers. And they repeat it again and again. If you've ever seen the movie The Apostle, uh, the movie The Apostle, the Robert Duvall character is a Pentecostal preacher, and he invokes the name of Jesus, Jesus constantly, uh, really for its almost magical effect. That's why I think some people are uncomfortable when I end prayers in the name of Jesus, thinking that I'm trying to invoke some sort of magic. I assure you, I'm not. But that connotation can be there when you hear the name. Or, if you've grown up in a strongly evangelical environment, the name of Jesus can be tossed around quite often. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And Jesus is Jesus this and Jesus that. If you've been burned by that tradition, part of the name of Jesus might have that as part of the connotation. Hear the name of Jesus, and it might make you feel uncomfortable for that reason. I'm someone who was raised in the Northeast, as you know, and so I didn't grow up with those types of connotations, those types of meanings for Jesus. And I'm fortunate for that, I think. Where when I think of Jesus, I think of uh, my first interaction with the congregational church I grew up in. I think of... Uh, I don't know, do we want to... There you go, Elizabeth. So when I think of Jesus, I think of my interaction with the Bible. Uh, I think of, when I see the name, when I hear the name of Jesus, I think of compassion. When I hear the name of Jesus, I think of someone who sees the other person and has compassion for that other person. When I think of the name of Jesus, I think of someone who has a desire to heal, brings to mind humility, and also the courage to sacrifice your life for something. Be the name of Jesus has a lot of positive connotations and also a lot of power. But 2016 was an incredibly divisive year. No one would deny that. Uh, and that's just as much in Houston as anywhere else. Houston, Texas, in terms of politically, has both some of the most Democratic congressional districts and some of the most Republican congressional districts in the country side by side. They're a very divided community 
politically that probably won't change in the future. But I would like to propose that one thing that can help us in this new year as we try and make the world better is actually this name of Jesus. Because even though someone might disagree with you on various things of public policy or other aspects, if you can come back and say, okay, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? And bring the discussion there, I think we can find common ground. Yes, we might argue it out about what that might mean and why that might mean it. But the very name of Jesus, its power, can bring people to the table. It can create dialogue and create a possible way forward that makes me, anyway, hopeful for 2017. Now, I'm not one who's big on resolutions, on New Year's resolutions. I tend not to think of them as being particularly effective. Uh, fall right back into what the old Baptists would call backsliding <laughs> pretty easily. But nevertheless, one of the New Year's resolutions that I would have is again, how can this name of Jesus try and be something that bridges divides in the year ahead rather than separates us? Can we find that common ground and can it open up conversations that can make us a better caring Christian community, not just here within these walls, but with our Christian brothers and sisters in Houston? What are some of your New Year's resolutions? I invite you to think of how Jesus might be in those in 2016. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul uh, included in his letter to the Philippians a great hymn. This hymn is a hymn uh, that scholars tell us would have been sung and repeated by others in his community. It's something that people understood. The climax of the hymn is, and so God gave him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend on earth, in heaven, and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I hope for the new year that that can come to fruition. Brought together. Better reflection of what God has.